0: Hello, and you're very welcome to Kiss My Arts. I'm Mary Blake here on Leitrim Daily. And today we are joined uh, by Ursula Connolly, singer and multi-talented creative person. <laughs> yes, Thank who you. is Leitrim Village based, who has a long musical career, amongst other things that we'll get to later in the interview. But welcome, Ursula. Thanks very much, Mary, for having me. Ursula, you live in Leitrim Village. I do indeed. Good, you're there a <laughs> while now. I, I'm there I'll be there 18 years in January actually okay mm, yes. yes people often ask me why I moved there from Dublin uh, and I always say I moved here on a whim but love kept me here Oh, that's lovely. So romance kept you here. That's fantastic. Yeah, well, we're glad to have you and you're very welcome. And you have, as I said, a long musical career. So take us back. very
1: old. I know.
0: We're all older (laughs) than we were. Yes. Take you back. Um, Yeah, no, I grew up in a family of singers. I mean, like I grew up in a family of singers where all of the siblings were singers. My parents are singers, my aunts and uncles, cousins, Everybody sang. It was just, you know, we were all singers. So it was kind of... Um, so, so you had no choice in the matter, really? Not <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah. It was just second nature. That's fantastic. And, and was it a creative house otherwise, or was it mainly music? Yes, it music? was, because my father's an artist. My father okay. was an artist. He, yes. um, uh, he was a landscape painter. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, so there was always a, So a, there was always a, art. My mother was a crafter. My mother and her sisters were amazing crafters. Wow. So, yeah, so the, the craft... St- kicked in early so in you're life. lucky to have um taken a lot of those talents and inherited mm. them yeah yeah we may have been dirt poor but we were rich in culture I know that's <laughs> it that's it yeah fantastic mm. so you had you were singing um with your sisters I as was, you say indeed. yeah yeah we started uh, I'd say Rita and I were only about 14 and 15 Okay. And when we started, my sister Inez was older. She was about 19. And uh, so she started us all up, got it all going. And she started to learn the guitar and then decided that we should form a trio. And and then we we started playing. We were playing gigs in pubs like the Bagot Inn and the International in Dublin, when we were only like way too young to be in the pub, let's face it. And do you think it was easier back then. Yeah. Do you think if there was three sisters now mm. in in Dublin of that age looking for gigs would they get those gigs it if they were those, very good those wouldn't those wouldn't exist no. really now you know there was a whole culture then of folk music i suppose it was you know that was the thing that that kind of um a lot of the venues were only starting to do gigs. It was the beginning of the pub gig, if you like. You and know, that was really. the 70s. And that in, was the 70s, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mid, mid-70s. And uh, so it was, you know, the the pub culture at that stage. And But there was also fo- folk clubs. There yes. were folk clubs that we went to. Um, one was the Universal Folk Club and the other was the Coffee Kitchen that I we went to. Um, and they started late. They started like at nine o'clock. You know, and the universal I think was on a Tuesday night, and like for the for us who were still in school oh. to be going. But my mother never raised a question. I think she just trusted us, you know, and she trusted Dina's that she was, you know, she was would look after. You. But the, the folk clubs had no alcohol in them. There was no drink. You got this gloopy soup. It was disgusting. Soup. Soup. That's not very rock and roll, or <laughs> no? Slightly. It's not quite rock and roll. But it was, yeah. it was gloopy soup. It was, wow. It came out of a machine. And when you got to the bottom with this, this big blob, oh we my didn't goodness. care. No. It was just, you know, that was... That was it was all about being her. there. It was all about the music. It was all about the singing. So was what like, was the ethos of that Universal Folk Club? Was it a... Was it a it was, so it wasn't it a was pub? A, no, no. It was an open house for singers or for artists. And you had a lot of, a lot of people played there, like, you know, um, Donal Lunny and... The, you know, Honor Heffernan and people, people who were around the business, Mm. Christy Moore, Luca Bloom, they all would have played the the folk club at one one point. Um, And the idea was you went in on a Tuesday night and you put your name down to perform. You put your name down. And if you, you know, so they went through the list. Everybody did, depending on how many were there, they performed. Um, And then occasionally they would ask you to guest. So when you guested, then you got to play. A number of songs, a set, a yes. set yeah, full set, Brilliant. and uh, and you might even get a few bob out of it, oh not much, now, yeah, but you know, but a great forum, really, yes. for for emerging artists, yeah. It was a little bit like an open mic, mm. only it was open mics now tend to be in pubs. But there's a group I just discovered because there was a film, there was a um, a TV program made, Anya Connor made, um, made a TV program, and um, somebody put it on Facebook recently. And as a result, I connected with people who used to play there years ago. Who remember you who from remembered? There. Yeah, yeah, and I remembered them. And it turned out that they still have a folk club going called Tarred and Feathered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and it runs in a pub. I can't remember exactly where, but anyway. So I said, as soon as this is all over, I'm going to try and get there oh, just wow. to do it. You know, yes. for the for the sentimentality. Of so it. that was kind of your first gig yeah. as such. Yeah, yeah. So the first time to stand up in front of, a, of an course. audience, yeah. and and sometimes yeah. it's just breaking through that, doing that for the first yeah. time yeah. to just say, okay, well, I guess I am a singer. I yeah. guess we, you know, it's something we to were performing. We we were performing as as kids. When I say performing, we weren't doing gigs, but we would have been put on stage in school, you know, in school performances. Yeah. It, in about first class, I had a teacher who who discovered the Connellys, if you like, discovered, oh gosh, I have this great singer in my class. And oh yes, and her sisters are in other classes. So she would drag us all back for to do performances. Mm-hmm. So we were performing on stage from quite young. I mm-hmm. I think I, I think my first solo performance on stage was seven. Oh my goodness, yeah. yeah. So somebody had their eye on you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then you're, yourself and the girl, the sis, your sisters had yeah. a little, you know, so that was as Fallen Angels. That was, was as, a, th- No, no, that was, no, and the Fallen Angels was, 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 later. It, was it, later. Okay, We were the Connolly sisters. And then, then we kind of went off into real world jobs, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, in about, it, I think it was in the early 90s, um, I was actually made redundant. I had a job. I was a marketing manager with an, inter- uh, you know, a multinational company, and I was made redundant. And I thought, okay, and I started looking for work. And then the Fallen Angels, who were a band that got together, um, in many, they came together in many forms. But the original lineup had Francis Black, Eilish Moore, who's Christy Moore's sister, um, Bridget Heffernan. You know, those. They were all. You know, and and. So they were all well recognised in the folk scene, if you like. Um, but in the 90s, they had several ramifications or incarnations, if you like. Um, they approached me and said, would I consider Now, they had approached me before, but I wasn't going to give up my corporate job. And I thought, OK, let's give it a go. Was so that right was I never, I never looked back. Fantastic. So how yeah. long were you with the Fallen Angels? I was with the Fallen Angels for about two and a half years. Um, and we toured all over. I mean, it was quite funny, really, you know, I was thinking about it there and I, we were a four piece a cappella, right? No instruments. We travelled all over Europe playing gigs, huge gigs. We played football stadiums, we played, you know, and nobody ever questioned the fact that there was not one instrument on stage. Because you were doing it because all with voice. your voices, yeah. You were and making those chords. Harmonies. You were, yeah, it was, you know. And we had a great arranger, Haley Murphy, who was in the band. Um, her husband at the time, Anth Cayley, he was a marvelous arranger, and he would arrange the harmonies for us, and it was fabulous. Like he was really great, um, and it was there was just something really special about singing the voices together, just. You know that, and were you an alto in that group, I or was, were you? Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. But yeah. we took we took turns of leading. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, they used to call me a bass because I had to kind of go quite low. You know, when you have yes. a four part, you have to go quite low, which I can. <laughs> Good woman, <laughs> um, but uh, but it also meant, as I said to Anne once at one stage, it also meant I got all the discordant harmonies. The, they're the challenging which, <laughs> ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. I, I mean, when I joined the band. In, in the space of, um, I think, two months, I had to learn over 30 songs because we were g- getting ready yeah. to go on tour. Yes. And I had to learn harmonies for 30 songs. So you kind of had to fit into an existing yeah. role. So yeah, you had yeah. to, yeah, yeah, wow. So I had yeah. to, um, but I also, and that was the nice thing. I also brought songs that I was interested in playing yes. as well. Brilliant. You know, like we we did an album called Happy Ever After and that was a song I brought to the band um it was a Julia Fordham song and John Creedon still plays it. Oh, good man, John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's great. He's that great. is brilliant. And then you went on and made your first album. So that yeah. was a solo so album. So I was, yeah, I was, I was, when I was with the Fallen Angels, I had started to write songs. Mm. So on our first album, I actually had an original song on our album with the Fallen Angels. And um, I decided that I wanted to write more. Mm. And the songs that I was writing weren't really suitable for the acapella cappella. Thing, yes, and as happens with bands, and I hate to say this, but mm. they fall apart. Yeah, exactly. you know, you spend a lot of time in a lot of close, co- co- you know, contact. Yes, it's a very intense, and it's very intense, mm. and you know, egos get in the way. I and, know. you know. We and all it, have them. Absolutely, we all have them. So these things happen. So I decided I wanted to do a solo thing. Yes. So I finished out, you know, the the commitments that we had, and. Um, and I decided to record a solo album. And that album is called Picture of Myself. That's and what correct. year was that? Two, that was one, 99. 1999. 99. And what's interesting about that album um, is the diversity of it, mm. too. You know, it, Yeah. You know, there's a lot of different sounds on it. You yes. have uh, the folk sound, you have. Uh, you wrote some of those mm. songs yourself, didn't you? All of the songs on that album are originals. No way. Yes. Uh, even the ones like even, Shona Moore that sounds Jonas so old. Shona one, one I wrote interesting that was an interesting one and I remember realizing that as an Irish person no matter what kind of music you do something brings us back to our roots always I was on um, Imro used to do these songwriter collaboration sessions and they would bring a bunch of songwriters together and every morning they'd pull out two names out of a hat and you go and sing with that person or write with that person rather and I got to write it was at the end of the week that we were together in Killarney and I got to write with this guy called Tony Vaughan and Tony said to me we had heard a woman called Mary Green who's currently in the Irish charts Greenshine and Mary Green sang The Rocks of Vaughan and neither of us had ever heard it before but just at one of the sessions the night before and Tony said to me I'd love to write a song close to that and that's Shona Moore I love that and I was listening to that when we were writing it we reckoned we wrote the story, the screenplay, the, book, the book, everything. You got, you got ahead we of yourself. But it was, it was just, we just kept coming up with the story. It is a know. knockout song and I love the way you sing it. And also Eleanor Sleeps yes. is an interesting one. That well, Eleanor Sleeps is based in where I come from. Um, I grew up in Drimna and in Drimna there's a castle, Drimna Castle, which is um, still there. And in we, it, it was our playground. We played in it, you know it was derelict but in uh, I think around the 80s um they started to renovate it so I went to visit and I was told about this ghost and the ghost was of Eleonora de Barnwell okay and so I I woke up one morning at two o'clock in the morning and this it's a Melody fabulous song. Head. It yeah. is fabulous. Uh, people can find it on on um, YouTube actually yeah. or Spotify, um, and it reminds me of anaki Gordon or one of those songs. Yeah. It's got yeah. kind of a little character based yeah. story. When I in was it. writing it, I wanted it to have the feel of a marble halls. You know that. Yes, yeah, that you did. Yes, that was yes. Some that sort of thing yeah. because there was a. I made the story mine. It's not her story. I made the story my. My friend Gay O'Neill and I used to go up to the castle and we'd m- make these romantic stories for ourselves. The place was derelict, but we imagined we'd great imagination. So that was why. That was how I kind of the story Beautiful. evolved yeah. but that album is called Picture of Myself it is. and um, there's a song on it that kind of gave me a clue to where you were going musically with your second album which is <laughs> All I Want Correct, you know so <laughs> it, it <laughs> kind of had more of a jazzy feel it's a kind of double yeah, yeah. bass in there or mm-hmm. something like that mm-hmm. and it just um, it gave a clue to where you were going yes, in your did. music and that's it the song did. you're going to sing for us now isn't yeah. it Yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. let us hear this all okay. I want it's from the um from Ursula's first uh, album, which is called Picture of Myself. And it's a gorgeous song. And she's going to play, accompany herself. And away you go.
1: The minute you sat down beside me, I knew that I wanted to love you. The moment you reached out and touched me, I knew that you wanted to love me too And every time you cross my path Feels like your eyes can read me through And every time you speak my name Feels like there's just one thing to do All I want is to believe in you All I want is to believe it's true Days and the nights were like magic The stories we told were our lifelines We needed each other so badly For minutes and hours and lifetimes And every time you kiss my lips Feels like it burns into my soul And every time you speak my name Feels like there's Nothing left to lose You say you want to Love someone Why can't that Someone be me You say you want To touch someone, hey Why can't You touch me All I want Is to believe In you, all I want it's true We talked about love and forgiveness If only it could be so easy The minutes of hope without questions drift through our hearts just to tease me And every time you hold my hand Feels like the two were made as one. And every time you speak my name, feels like the tears will come too soon. All I want is to believe in you. All I want is to believe it's true. All I want is to believe in you. All I want is to believe.
0: Beautiful. Ursula, you've been listening to Ursula Connolly singing her own song, All I Want, and accompanying herself on her guitar. And, the guitar. and <laughs> doing so great. I want to remind you that today's episode is um, sponsored by the Dock Arts Centre in Carrick and Shannon. We're very grateful to them for their s- continued support. Um, so, yeah, that was your first album. Yes. And that was great. Yeah. And yeah. that then, your second album was 10 years later, was it? It was, yeah. Yeah, and it's more in that vein. Um, it's more in the jazz vein. Yes. And um, I always used to say, people used to say to me, oh, I, there was a guy who said to me one time, you have what we call a dark brown voice. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I always, you know, I always loved jazz and, um, when other people were buying, you know, um, the Cocteau Twins and all of that sort of music, I was buying Julie London and Ella Fitzgerald. And And Ella Fitzgerald, you have that, that warmth and that, that, um, Resonance. resonance and vibrato and it's just, um. I just think it's very authentic sounding as well because we can hear the Irish in you too. Yeah. You yeah, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah, no, and You're it's, not it's singing something. an American accent no. or any of that. And it's something I say, I mean, you know, I'm a voice coach and it's one of the things I'm always saying to my students, stop putting on the American accent, use your own accent. You listen to somebody like Amelda May, yeah. you know, and she, she sings with her Dublin accent. And, and it's powerful. Yes. It's really, you know, yes. and the number of times that people... As you know, in when you're gigging outside of Ireland, you know, people go, Oh, your accent comes through, it's lovely. You know, people love they want our to accent, hear yeah. yeah, yeah. We I, just think it's real dead. That's our insecure Irish, isn't it? <laughs> and Camille, you talk yeah. about being a vocal coach, so yes. that is something you've been doing for the last. Four and f- five years nearly. Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing um, that from your home in HMV. I mean, gigs started to dry up. You know, you get a bit older and it's a little bit harder to get gigs. And and um and also we went into that terrible slump, you know, and things were just get a bit harder. So um yeah, so I turned my hand, I went and I trained as a voice coach. Um and because actually what happened was when I started to do jazz, I started to have problems with my own voice, and I'd never had any training and i went to a wonderful singing teacher actually down in sligo called amri kini and um she was fantastic and because i remember thinking oh my god i'm getting older my voice is going i'm losing it and she said not at all you don't lose your voice you just use a different thing so so that was when i my first experience and i thought oh my god there's so much you can learn about singing so yeah, so I went and trained as a voice coach, not believing that there was much. I, I couldn't believe the amount that you can learn about being a singer, having had, song having your whole had sung your whole life. I know and because there was a little bit of I, it, probably when I was growing up, there was certainly that thing of if you went to a voice coach, you ended up singing opera. Yes, you were or training. You to, it were was like training. training, training they voice. were training yes. the voice. There was nobody doing contemporary singing, so that's what I do. I train contemporary singers. I don't train. I don't train opera singers. I'm a voice coach for contemporary singers and actors. You know, anybody who uses their voice for their business. Um, and my, my premise is, if you can speak, you can sing. Because a lot of people think that they can't sing. But actually, the sound that you make doesn't come from your vocal cords. The air just comes through your vocal cords. You create the rest in your what we call your resonator. So, do you feel that? So, mm. do you feel that somebody who is, hasn't got the musicality uh, can, can still, still learn to, learn to sing? Learn to yes. Sing. There is a, a tiny, tiny percentage of people who are entirely tone deaf, but that's only a tiny percentage. And you only have to look at this country. How many Irish people do you know who can belt out a tune in the pub on a Saturday night? Absolutely. The ninety percent, at least ninety percent. So, you know, and that's and that's just because we have this culture of singing in this country, which is fantastic. But I also think there's a wealth of people out there who are afraid to sing because some teacher told them that they couldn't. In fact, I worked with a group and I won't say who they. (laughs) I worked with a group um, not far from here who called me and asked me, would I work with a group of people who think they can't sing? And I said, certainly and I went, and the first night I asked them all to tell me their experiences of singing. And all of them had had the, oh, one of them, the teacher told her to stick with the tennis. And someone else was told, you know, oh, mime, you know. And there were all these things. And the truth is, by the end of, I mean, if I had said to them on the first night, I'm going to have you doing a gig by Christmas, they would have freaked. But by the, by the time we were coming towards Christmas, or to, we had actually agreed that we were going to do um, a gig, a, a, like just a, a charity gig. And they had actually agreed that they would perform. So they were all people who thought they couldn't Absolutely. sing. I'm not saying I could turn them into Beyonce or Andrea Bocelli, but I can. I I love to work with people and get them singing because singing is so good for you. <laughs> and you are teaching, you are giving them the joy of singing. Yeah. Mm. You know, as you say, you're not trying to. They weren't coming to you saying, "I want to be a fantastic no. soloist." They no. just wanted to experience they just wanted that the joy. And each of them said every night when they went home, the following week they'd say, "I was buzzed going home." And I said, "That's what people get from doing gigs." That's the buzz pe- that yes. singers, that's why we always want to keep going back to the stage. And that's the payment, because let's yeah. face it, there's a lot of um, artists now not making even exactly. not making the industrial average wage. No, I- in there with that's their music. It. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's purely for that yeah. love and addiction mm. of of um, performing and that feeling and yeah. engaging with other people. Mm. And as we were talking just before um, the interview started about things like even singing with a choir and just oh. being part of that that blend of, of voices I wish most I wish everybody would join a choir of some yeah. sort you yeah. know and um, in fact I, I during COVID I during the lockdown I, just, I did a, I actually did a course online on working with choirs because I haven't worked a lot with groups of people so I decided that I wanted to t- try and develop that because I think the the buzz that people get there's a number of benefits number one if you sing in a choir the heart rates of everybody in a choir sync did you know that no I did not and that I mean so anybody who has any kind of heart issues should sing in a choir oh, yeah. because it's actually very good for you but the other thing is it releases dopamine you know when we sing it releases dopamine it's why we sing around our kitchens and in the shower and in the car and we get a buzz it's, it, that's the buzz we're getting so singing is good for you 100 percent and when you have somebody coming to you who wants to sound so I'm just thinking of um tv shows we've been so used to over the last few years Mm -hmm. x factor and and the voice and all these things I have noticed that a lot of these young people they're starting to sound there's a sound now that I don't remember growing up there's a a voice type Mm -hmm. um are they coming to you looking to sound like that yes they are so what I have to do, and I, and it's you know, and and you know there there are there there are styles or fashions, if you like, in in music. But the important thing that for me with a singer, you can do you can do an Adele, you can belt, you mm. know, or you can do you know a, an Ed Sheeran or whatever whatever you want to do. But I want you to have your natural voice first. I want to hear your natural voice. And then you can evolve it into whatever you want. I get you. You know? So you're looking for their authentic voice. And how do you strip away all that they have learned and listened to? Exercises. I do exercises. And it can be very difficult sometimes with younger people because they want to sound like, you know, (laughs) whoever. (laughs) That was very good, Ursula. More (laughs) of that, more of that. (laughs) Whoever it is, they're, you know, they're emulating and they all and they you know but the other thing is these young kids come to me with songs and I read the lyrics and I go holy god does your mother know you're listening to this and the parent comes and I go did you read these lyrics and they go oh my god I know they don't even hear it no no yeah and 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 you know a few times I thought maybe I'll just adjust the lyrics and I think no so what I try and do is I bring them back to their own voice because it's important to understand your own voice You know, you have to sort of learn the rules before you can break them. Do you know that's And that's the the philosophy. You learn the basics and then you break them and you can change it. You can make your voice do whatever, whatever sound you want to create. Okay, so then you can understanding that you're doing it safely as well. Okay, safely, you mean safely, vocal health. And do you think a lot of us could be kind of doing harm to our voice? I think a lot of people do harm to their voices. Yes. I think they, I mean, I've done it myself. I, I, you know, I can't, I can't say I'm a saint, mm. but, you know, back in the day, I would have gone to a pub session and sung till I was hoarse, you know, and the following day have no voice at all. Mm. So, you know, joining the Fallen Angels at that point became, I, I learned my lesson. You know, I suddenly stopped the Saturday night singing till the cows came home um, because my voice became my my job. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but a lot of people, I think put a lot of strain on their voices as well without knowing how to particularly if they're singing these um you know the songs that are in the 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 musicals like never enough and you know those kind of and it's like full belt um and they're singing those high notes with pure strain okay and so it's learning how to sing those notes without strain that you're not putting in. and i suppose what they are forgetting is that the her, the artist who originally sang that song has been trained and is protecting exactly. her voice. Exactly. She didn't just wake she up and no sing no, it. No, no. And she didn't sing it when she was ten. So if somebody they is know, coming to you now looking for voice training, so how do they contact you? They can contact me through um, my Facebook page, which is the, the Village Voice Studio. That's yeah. Or they can contact me directly uh, uh, um, uh, by on my mobile. Which okay. Is, yeah. And do you want me to give yeah, the number? Yeah, you might as it's well. 87 087-2377520. And um, so, are you now with COVID? If you're listening to this at in the future, guys, this is the middle of the COVID. I'm sure <laughs> it'll be all over any day now. But <laughs> um, are you are you doing lessons? I'm, on I'm not Skype? doing lessons at the moment. No, no. Oh, I, I, I will do lessons. I'm looking to see whether I can start back up in October. For the moment, I'm not. Um, mm. because I operate out of my home and it's not safe. Yeah, it's not safe. And it, so that's, that's your vocal coach. And then yeah. as if that's not enough, <laughs> Ursula is also a quilter and a a crafty person, crafty girl, and she brought in this gorgeous monkey for us with Kiss My Arts (laughs) on it, so we'll put that up on the the Facebook page. Tell me about your, your Auntie Kitty's button box. Well, Auntie Kitty's button box was named for my Auntie Kitty because I inherited a lot of her sewing room after she died. My mother had these two sisters who I reckon ordained every priest in Africa through their their crafting you know raising money for ah, yes. various charities and missions and whatever um, and my mother was a great crafter so the um i quilted and i made rag dolls when i was a teenager um, and i i just um I just started making bags and quilts and blankets and it just and then I started selling them and a group of us got together and we had a shop in Sligo for a while in inside Lyons which was called Lime Green Umbrella but um, we didn't get the footfall there really and I moved then to Strandhill Market and I've been in Strandhill Market for over four years now so they came, Strandhill Market reopened last Sunday but unfortunately because I'm an asthmatic I'm not taking the chance of Opening my stall just okay, yet. You're just but, holding but back. Yeah, so I'm working on a website, getting the website okay, up and, and running. Okay, and how do we find the website? I haven't. I'm. I haven't. Oh, got you're working, on, I'm it. Only working okay. on it. At the so moment. you'll put a li- but put people a li- can find me. I, I I have a Facebook page called Auntie Kitty's Button Box. But I make unique baby blankets. All of my stuff is unique. Um, with cotton and fleece, and um, and I make these sock monkeys that are my biggest seller. Oh everybody, so you make everybody loves little bespoke. Monkey. So kind of bespoke, if you wanted yeah. it to be, it personalised. be personalised, the blankets can be personalised, and yeah, and, and the work uh, is so good and so detailed and beautiful. And you do that yeah. for pleasure, do you? Would I you, love it. Would you do that now, sitting by the fire in the so, evening? Yeah, the, the monkeys are a large part of the monkeys is made by hand. And hand sewing, I love. I would sit watching TV and, yeah, blitz out on making monkeys. That's Again, no more than the soup. It's not very rock and roll. No, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fantastic. Yeah, it's so different yeah. to have that to have that um, different part of your life yeah. that you can but it's, enjoy. Uh, but you see, I think creativity begets creativity. Yeah. I think the more you expose yourself to uh, creative things, you know, I try them. You know, oh. I learned... I. I Back in 1999, actually, when I was with the Fallen Angels, one of the girls introduced me to a book called *The Artist's Way* by a woman called Julia Cameron. She used to be married to Martin Scorsese, and it's a 12-week program of discovering your creativity. And honestly, it's one of it was one of those life-changing books for me. It was, you know, I I it um, through the 12 weeks, you kind of dipped into all sorts of things creatively, just to push your creative. You know, yeah. thinking a yes. little bit, and uh, and I've I've never looked back. I, I I always, you know, sometimes you think you know the moment when something flipped in your head and you got that aha! Oh oh god, yeah. Eureka moment! I can try anything, yes. you know. I can try. And do would you find it relaxing? Love it. I you would. see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah amazing. Yeah. It is a very to me crafting is the most, uh, because it's actually mindful, you know, you have to do it, you have to be in the moment when you're, w- whether it's you're making a birthday card or you're making a sock monkey, yes. you have to be in that moment, you know, you can't d- d- unless you want it to turn out like crap <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly, you have you to know? be uh, yeah. you have to be in that so you're switching off, so you're switching your off. yeah and I think for that, that from, from that point of view, crafting, I think probably during lockdown a lot of people discovered yes. their crafting selves yeah yeah so no you're, you're all, all around creative person interior design was also part of your yeah yeah i had um, um yeah <laughs> while i was working for the corporate business um for the multinational i i trained evenings i did a, a diploma in interior design so i yeah when i moved here for to leach first that was kind of my business i sort of taught it and i i, I um did it as a practice because we were in the boom Everybody yes. wanted interior I design yeah. you know um and like that in 2008 that phone stopped ringing you know and uh, so so that was when I started to do the craft thing because I'd always done as part of teaching interior design I always taught interior crafts like making your cushion covers and covering a chair and those sort of little crafty things painting up a piece of furniture Um. so yeah that's that's amazing. So you've... I mean, you, you've taken a lot of creative boxes yeah, there. I sound like so I must I. be a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> and that corporate job was only getting in your way. It was, yeah. You see it all. These other things you mm. had to be doing. That's <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> As I say, I've lived on my wits wit since then and yeah, I've never looked back. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So listen... Um, Ursula, thank you so much for coming in to see us today. You're gonna to sing another song. Do you yeah. want to introduce that song and well, tell us I'm why I'm you're gonna chose sing it? I'll tell you, um, during the lockdown, I kind of rediscovered some of the music that I loved. And um, I think I was saying to you earlier, uh, and I discovered a lot of you know, folk and country. I've always been a country music fan, you know. Like I i I grew up on on you know Dolly Parton and yes. Emmylou Harris and American, American all country, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, this is a song from the Dixie Chicks. We, who are now they called are The Chicks. Chicks. They've dropped the Dixie. Oh, did they? Yeah.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. Okay.
0: I love them as a band because they're they also brilliant. a little bit bold, aren't they? So, I need a capo for this. Right, oh. So, that's it. So, in the, when she's just getting that capo sorted out, just to remind you that you can check out Auntie Kitty's Button Box on Facebook. She's a page for that. And Ursula also has a page for her, her um, vocal coach. Um, business mm-hmm. and her phone number is 087-2377-520 okay. take it away
1: dragon tails and the water is wide pirates sail and lost boys fly fish bike moonbeams every night Love you. Godspeed, little man. Sweet dreams, little man. Oh, my love will fly to you each night on angels' wings. Godspeed. Sweet dreams. Rocket racers all tuckered out. Superman's in pajamas on the couch. The good night moon will find the mouse, and I love you. Godspeed, little man. Sweet dreams, little man. Oh, my love will fly to you. Each night on angels' wings Godspeed Sweet dreams uh, uh, uh. God bless mommy and matchbox cars God bless dad and thanks for the stars God hears amen wherever we are, and I love you. Godspeed, little man, sweet dreams, little man, oh, my love will fly to you each night.
0: Indeed, Ursula Connolly, thanks a million for coming in to and see the us today on Kiss Thank My you. Arts. Thank, Thank you. you.